hockey. Yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to Judd's Hockey Show. It is Judd from XL Energy Center and AJ Fredrickson, who, of course, last season helped with the show as well, producing and co-hosting tonight uh, from his home base following a 7-3 LA Kings victory over the Wild. Uh, I just got done watching the game from a suite, so I was not taking my copious ordinary notes that I ordinarily do age, uh, but I don't think you needed to take notes to know that uh, tonight was sort of what I would call a, well, not sort of, it was, in my humble opinion, a lackluster game from the Wild. Now it's, what, their fourth game of the season, so um, certainly not a time to panic. Spurgeon and Boldy both out. Spurgeon being out, I think the defense, I just, I don't know about some of the bot, especially the bottom half, the bottom pairing of this defense. Um, Spurgeon's loss, especially in the regular season, is a big one. Um, but what was your takeaway from a goal that featured, or a game that featured two empty net goals for the Kings? And it featured, what, a grand total of six goals in the first period? Marc-Andre Fleury, after one period, I think had basically a 50% save yeah. percentage. What was your takeaway from what you saw tonight uh, at the X? Um, look, it's sloppy. That first period was sloppy. That's about the one word I think I can use to describe it. It was just, it was back and forth. There was like weird bounces. It was it, pond hockey-like. It just because some of the bounces were just so weird. The stanchions might need to get looked at because there was a copious amount of uh, Brisgala uh, of like uh, ricochets off the corners. Um, the Wild got a bounce here and there. The Kings get a bounce here and there. And I know I would, lo I would love to hear your, since you were there, your reaction and your thoughts on the um, was it kicked, was it touched goal um, that I can't actually remember who was credited with that at the moment, but um, it, it was not an ideal night for the Minnesota wild um, flower is going to based on his professionalism and kind of who he is and what he we've been reported on and whatnot. He's going to take pretty much this entire weight on his shoulders. I just know that I, I haven't seen anything from him post game quite yet, but um, it was, it was not a great performance by him in the first, there was some fluky play and some weird bounces, but um, a guy of his prestige and his uh, pedigree probably should have, you know, kept at least two of those out, out, but uh, you're, you are going to have, and I think your, your mic is muted now, Judd, but um, I've done that again. Yes. Thank you. Um, it, it, it was just not a good night overall. I was hoping that uh, with about five minutes left, the momentum seemed to be swinging in the wilds favor in that first period, that final four minutes, however, was totally catastrophic. And that set the tempo for the rest of the night. Um, it, it felt like after coming out of the locker room to start the second, those first like five minutes, you could just tell they carried that mood over. And there was almost, I'm not going to say that I didn't feel like they could come back and make this a game, but yep. it, it, it felt like the dagger was already in place. So um, the, the Kings opened the scoring only 239 into the game on a snap shot by Carl Grundstrom. And may I suggest that that is a goal that has to be stopped. Fleury looked like his positioning was off. Um, and that was a goal that, I mean, it just has to be stopped. Then, 
the Wild comes back with two goals. Connor Dewar scoring the goal that you talked about that went off the stanchion or kick plate. I couldn't tell which one. But anyway, rebounded off of a uh, John Merrill dumping because it was Mermis to Merrill, and he just dumped it in. Came off of that. Dewar picked up the puck. Cam Talbot, a familiar face. I won't call him an old friend. That really bugs me <laughs> when we call people old friends. I don't think Cam Talbot's an old friend at all. But a guy that played here um, – he gives up the goal. It's 1-1. Then Kaprizov gets the tip-in of the Brodine shot, and you think, okay, game on now, 2-1 to one wild. Um, the two goals that you're talking about, including the kicked-in one, uh, which was which um, gave the Kings – let's see here if I can get this right. So it's 2-1, to one, then it's 2-2. Two, two, uh, the 3-2 goal um, that was scored by Pierre-Luc Dubois, formerly of the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, and then the Jets – Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a goal in which he tried to kick it to a stick. He he was trying to kick the puck onto his stick. Now, they said in Toronto, and I don't know if they had an angle that I didn't see, they said they could see it was clearly deflected by a stick. I think they were talking about a wild defenseman stick. Um, I didn't see that clear. What I did see, though, was that was a puck that could have been stopped. If you saw that, it was mm-hmm. coming on, and Flurry basically just didn't get set quick enough to stop that that puck. And then, so that goal comes at 19.02. 12 seconds later, uh, Dubois scores again. It's 4-2 after one, and what, you had no goals in the second period, uh, and then in the third period, period, including the empty net goals, the Kings outscore you uh, three to one. But all of that being said, it, it just seemed to me from Flurry on out, the timing was off. Like they did, the Wild just didn't consistently, and especially after the two late goals by the Kings age in the uh, first period, the Wild didn't seem to have much of a flow. Like it was, a, it struck me as a very herky-jerky game. Um, I'm seeing suggestions. I'm not surprised. I'm seeing suggestions that Hartman be removed from the first line. And I don't disagree with that. Like, I, I just, I don't, I just don't know. Here's my problem. I know the first line. I know Dean loves his lines, right? And I know that, you know, Zuccarello loves Kaprizov and Kaprizov loves Matt. So we can go back and forth on that. But I guess here's my question to you. Is Kirill Kaprizov playing with the best possible players at this point in his career and at the point of the career that his line mates are in right now, do you think he's playing with the best possible line combination guys? No. That's a, a simple no. Um, there's two other guys I would like to see. One is probably more than likely like worthy of it. Another one is probably a long shot unless you get to – maybe a month into the season, and he's really proven himself to the coaching staff. The first one is Jewel Eriksson. Uh, we saw him with a very nice play first off by Pat Maroon, who I know yeah, like, You're right. he's, he's not the player that he was a couple years ago, and he never really has been like a great playmaker, but he had a nice eyes in the back of his head, pick off the wall, no look backhand to the middle. Johansson, um, I was nervous for about three seconds there because I was like, why are you passing this? Because it was telegraphed and, and Talbot was setting up to make the push across, but then he makes it and Erickson Eck on bended knee, nonetheless, fires one to the back of the net. Um, his first mm-hmm. strength goal of the season, his other two or three, I want to say, have all been um, on the power play. But uh, I, I think he's the guy that should get a look on that top line. Um, there was instances tonight where Ryan Hartman, I want to say it was a pass from Brock Faber along the wall. 
it was kind of a tic-tac-toe. They worked it up to the hash mark area and then mm -hmm. just a chip to the middle. That could have been a wide open chance on the back door, but Hartman just caught, he got caught on his heels watching the play develop. And then by the time that he's like, okay, I have to be here for this pass. He was like leaning forward and he could get nothing on it. Um, and so there's a chance that, you know, it's cat, you know, shown out the door. Um, Matt Zuccarello. I mean, there's not much we can do about that one. That's a hot. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. I got a question for you off that. I got a question for you and all of you who are kind enough to watch us right now. And this is a personal opinion based on a very, as the kids like to say, small sample size. And I know that Zuki had, what, two or three points against Montreal. Now, Montreal's bad, and Fleury was great because, in part because they're bad, um, in that game a couple of nights ago. But here's my question. Has Matt Zuccarello noticeably lost a step or two, certainly since two years ago? Yeah, I, yes, because I think two years ago it was – I mean, he was on a different level, I feel like, and I, almost like a – he over, he over produced what I think a lot of us were expecting, especially after that first season, it was such a turnaround of, you know, he was hurt and he was battling injury right. and all this stuff. And then right. he was healthy and it, it was like, things just clicked and, and him and Kirill became best friends and, you know, everything was, was, you know, sun and daisies. Now it's been declined and he's, he's not getting any younger, but now you've, you've signed him to this extension. Um, I don't know if he had, I'm not sure he is disappointing in his performance because I think he just over excelled a couple years ago. I think this is more of what we probably can expect because tonight he did make a couple plays that I think away from the offensive side of the game, like he had a couple decent defensive sticks that broke up key, what, what would have he been did. key defensive or offensive chances for the Kings. But Correct. offensively he's, he's not the player that I think everybody has engraved in their mind um, from two years ago. He's not going to be a, 80 point, 70 point, even a 60 point guy, maybe anymore. Um, I guess I would have to look and see what he had last year, but um, he's not going to, he's not going to have these like whirlwind flash flashing highlight plays every night where he's setting up Kirill on the back door and they're not going to have that like five on three power play where they go behind the net with each other, just playing catch. And then it's this, uh, it's a highlight real goal. You have to lower your expectations. Um, and I think once we come to grips with what this new new era of Matt Zuccarello is, we're not going to be happy. Like, but we're going to be the first line. But he's on the first line with Kirill Kaprizov. That's my issue. Like, I'm I'm fine with everyone if they get demoted a line or two. But so because two years ago, it was my opinion that coming back and and two or three years back for the first time. So like the first year here. The, we didn't know it, but he, he was still struggling, ha having broken his arm in Dallas right before he signed here. And he had a brutal first year here. And I thought he was washed. And indeed, he wasn't washed. He was just still hurt. But then what I loved about him and Kirill was, and it's always bothered me that they like to defer to each other so much. Like to me, it's that's always been too much. But what I liked about him with, with Kirill was his hockey sense was so high and he still had enough of a speed game that he could sort of, he could keep up enough to sort to not be nearly as good as Kirill, but to compliment him. Right. Mm -hmm. What I'm seeing now. And again, it's very small sample size and I might just flat out be wrong. Uh, Cause the, it's all I test. What I'm seeing now is a guy that's trailing the play too much to make the plays that Kirill can make. And Kirill's only improving. 
So like it's sort of a this take is I don't mean for it to be hot. I'm just curious. Um, and, and if I could make a move tomorrow, I would take Hartman off that line uh, and I would probably leave Matt's there for now. Uh, and I'm with you. I I would do Eck. And the thing with Eck is, because they tried it before, but Dean aborted it so quickly. You got to stick with it. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I would at some point in time, and it's premature right now probably, but I mean, if he continues on the path, I would try Rossi there. Because he's got, he's got the skill and speed now. And most importantly, he's got the strength now, which he didn't mm -hmm. have. And so... And I don't think this is I don't think this is like a great hockey take. When when Marco Marco Rossi was in the slot tonight with the puck, I think it was in the uh, first period. He's in the slot with the puck. And age, he decides to try to make a play. So he's he's got the puck in the slot and he's got a shot. He could have taken a shot. He decides to make a play and he passes it to Marcus Foligno. Like and I said to a person in the suite with us. I said, if that's, um, if that's 97, I'm, I don't love that pass, but it's 97, you know, mm -hmm. knock yeah. yourself out, but it's Marcus Foligno. You know, if Marco Rossi is going to make high level passes, why is he on a checking line? That's not fair to anybody. It's not fair to him. And I don't expect him to be a puck hog, but it's not fair to him. It's not fair to Foligno. You know, I just, I don't under, I, I, I mean, if that's how Rossi can play, Put him with as much skill as you can. Um, and, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Ryan Hartman is probably a perfect third-line center. Yes. Like, yeah. I'm not suggesting that they take a guy whose number is going to be in the rafters here at the X, right by num number nine, which I looked <laughs> up again tonight, and I still don't know how it's up there. I was damn near tempted to go up to the rafters myself and bring it out. But I don't know. I just say, you know, throw up. But anyway um, – you know, I, I don't, again, I don't think this is like some high level take, uh, but you know, if that's what Rossi can do, put him with Krill and see what happens. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that, that was my second guy right there. Marco Rossi should get a chance on the first line. I feel like he's too green to get that look from Dean and the rest of the coaching staff right now. But yep. if he yep. continues to play like he has, he'll become yes. undeniable for that opportunity because right now, um, Judd, I don't want to play like the I'm younger than you card here, but do you know of the, the meme where it's the Ferrari parked outside of a trailer park, like a trailer home? That is what I feel like with that third line with Marco Rossi. <laughs> it's, it's good. He, he's simply too good for the other guys to one, keep up physically and mentally at times. Like his hockey smarts, like he's, he steps ahead of the play playing chess. Yes. And they're playing checker, still trying to set the board up. So um, yes. I I want to see I want to see him get a, a shot on the line with Kirill Kaprizov, where they're going to be able to compliment people, and maybe he gets a, a stepping stone in that chance once Matt Matthew Boldy returns of, off his week to week status, because we know what they've done together in the AHL, and they've had a little bit more chemistry and time playing together. So maybe they can step up and click, and then maybe that's the sign that says, "Hey, Dean, give him the shot." Um, Back to the Zuccarello thing, mm -hmm. taking him off, and I like I said, I feel like we're in a we're in a hostage situation here because with with the with the extension and everything, Kirill is a guy that elevates the players he plays with. I'm nervous that if you remove Matt Zuccarello off that line, how far does the does the floor fall? Because yeah, it's it. You're right. You're right. He's staying behind the plane. He's just not. He he's. 
He just doesn't look like he he did two years ago. Um, I don't. I'm scared about what the drop off would be if you move him d- even down to the second line and he's not playing with Kirill anymore. And here's the intriguing thing about that. So, a year ago or so, when when we had uh, Bill Guerin on the show, you know, Bill's um, Bill's point of emphasis, I guess, because we asked him about centers, and his point of emphasis was, well. The, with the way that the game is today, you can get away with Hartman at center because he he does his job. He's very defensively responsible. And Bill's ultimate point was Matt Zuccarello is almost like a center, you know, with the, with the ability, the give and take that Krill and Zuccarello had at the time, which was partially true at the time. I don't see it now. Here's where I think you would. Here's where I think if you took a guy and and I'm I'm with you. I'm not calling uh, for this Saturday against Columbus. Okay, mm-hmm. but here's where if he continues to play like this, I think you could get some clarity. Is if you put Rossi with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, would that help him? Because if it doesn't help him and he can't keep up, then he doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the question becomes who does Boldy? Like like what do you do there? Um, but. At the end of the day, my problem is I watch Zuccarello. I think he's a step slow. I watch Hartman. I know he's a step slow. You know, he can't, He just can't keep up with these guys, and, and nor can most people. Like, this is not a Ryan Hartman criticism. Again, I'll go back to what I said. Ryan Hartman, I think, is a damn good third-line center. But, um, but you know, Dean, and what – this is what drives me crazy. Dean is so stubborn that I just don't know when when we'll see those things. Um, but I really think that it, without this being a stretch, I really think that you have, AJ, some better line combinations available to you right now with the talent that's here. And unfortunately, I don't know when you're going to see them because they just don't mix things up. I mean, I was I was pleasantly surprised a couple of nights ago after the uh, defensive breakdowns against the Leafs. I was pleasantly surprised that they that w- as much as I like Faber and Brodeen together, they broke them up because everything after that was you know I mean Jake Middleton's great with a good player. He put him with the goose, and we saw what happened against. The Leafs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did like the fact that they they rewrenched the defensive pairings. And until Spurgeon gets back, that's sort of dicey. Uh, don't start me on the last pairing currently because it doesn't work. But uh, that being said, I do want to see them. I do hope at some point here fairly quickly if things continue. Uh, and it's not like they're off to a, bit, a terrible start. But there are line combinations that, in my opinion, are clearly superior potentially to what they're doing. And this is a perfect time of the year to find out. This, right now, the line combinations for this team is like if you go to a high school play and they're doing the Wizard of Oz, you have like you have your Dorothy, the star of the show. That's Kirill Kaprizov. He's got the voice. He's singing. He's doing all this other stuff somewhere over the rainbow. That's Kirill. He's nailing it. But then Ryan Hartman should not be playing the Tin Man, you know? Ryan Hartman should be a bush in the back. It, it's a it's an important role because it adds to the context of the scene, but he's not the star of the show. He just does not have the baritone voice to belt it out. And he's not like we, we need to find the right roles for people. The casting has to be much better than it is. And I'll give them a little slack because this is game four of an 82 game season. But you have to figure this stuff out because if you're going to do the, the casting as it is for the first couple nights here, eventually 
you're going to be halfway through your runtime for this show and people are still asking why is the tin man not on key you know we have to we have to get these guys in the right spot so um i want to see dean tinker a little bit don't get stuck in your own ways and i know that's going to be ironic to say to dean evison but please be bold one of these nights you know don't don't be afraid to get wild Dean. mix it up switch it up get some guys uh do like a you know an 80s movie montage where you're having them like learn new new things about each other do something to to get this team to mesh because the lions right now um they're less than what they should be all right let's move on to the defensive core now let's talk about the bottom one do we have and to? let's talk oh, yes yes we do <laughs> okay so here's so 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 let's paint the scenario accurately because again we're four games in Jared Spurgeon started to skate today, not practice yet, but he's skating. So he's on his way back. Um, when he comes back, he obviously goes back with Middleton, which is a good, solid regular season pairing. Mm -hmm. um, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Got some stats here for you. Yeah. Um, the second pairing then can go back to being Brock Faber and Brodine, which is brilliant, which is actually, just to be clear, the first pairing. Like, I'm sorry. Faber and Brodeen are the best defensive pair. Spurgeon and Middleton will be the second best, but I trust both of those. Yes. Goligoski, they tried to play him. He's hurt now on LTIR, but Saturday in Toronto. And, and I was impressed by his opening game against the Panthers. But the issue is if, if you ask him to play too much, especially against a high-functioning team, like the Kings would have given him uh, trouble too. The other thing, age is John Merrill. Like, what do you, what do you do here? There's got um, our, our friend Jesse Pierce tells me that she actually likes some of the defensemen playing in Des Moines, uh, but I, I just don't know if you can get away with a and and you know keep in mind John Merrill was scratched in the playoffs, so there's been an acknowledgement about his play, but I just that last pairing, Kalen Addison runs the power play, so I get that part of it. But who's the defensive pair for for him? Because I'm not positive that guy is on the roster right now. No, I don't. I don't think he is. Because even even if Golagoski comes back, is he the guy, the guy? Like you said, I'm going to give Addison a pass, and I like I I have a special place in my heart for Kalen Addison because he is the power play guy. Like he's a small, scrappy guy. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give him the 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 flair of the offense. Um, like pass. That's his role. So if he's going to be in the third pairing and be a little bit of a liability at times on defense, you know, I'll turn the, I'll turn my head the other way, but we need somebody that can back him up a little bit. And John Merrill yeah. right now is just not that guy. Um, like I'm not saying, and but at the same time, what's the easy thing, throw a Brodeen with him, throw, you know, I don't want to waste that. I want two solid top, yes, I, top two yes. pairings. For um, now, I'm okay with uh, I'm I'm okay with Brodine and and Brock being split up. But I'm with you. When Spurgeon comes back, I want those guys. I want my top four to be rock solid. I'm yeah. with you totally on this. Yeah, I I would much rather have the strength right at the top, and then you have that actual liability where we're holding our breath for you know. 45 60 seconds every time that third pairing's out there um but that's where you're going to be able to compensate by getting them with the right offensive line you know you, and you do have a little bit of a say in that you, not all the time but you do have a little bit of a say of okay sure. and that's where that's where a good coach comes into play and that's communication on the bench saying all right hey dean 
we've got uh, we've got three coming up here. Make sure you got whatever defensive line you want out, so that we're pretty much just holding fort for the next minute here on the ice. And we're we're getting whoever tired, and we're not we're making sure we're not matching up against an Austin Matthews. We're not matching up against a Kevin Fiala. We're not. Oh God, no! Yeah, yeah. So, um, is the guy on the roster to answer your question? Not right now. That the yeah. ideal partner for Kalen Asin is not on the roster right now. I'm I'm just concerned. Look, if you play sort of plotting teams, like the Kings are good, dude. The Kings can the Kings can pass the this this Kings team is no joke. They have uh gotten a lot of high draft picks. They were bad for quite some time after their Stanley Cups, but they're good now. Their goaltending, I don't completely trust, but I really like their team. Um, but, you know, just like Toronto on Saturday, man, those teams are good. And and my concern is not – the. I'm not worried you're going to get a stupid matchup because I think that the Wild is pretty cognizant of that. I'm more concerned that when you face these teams, like a guy like Johnny Merrill just can't keep up. Like he just can't. And so that's what that's what worries me. Kalen Addison, I watched him very closely tonight because I was down low. It was cool being yeah. in a suite. It's nice to have a company suite once in a while that you get to host. Um, I see, I see the holes in his game. Now I'm with you. The power play thing. He's got a good shot. He's got a really nice shot. And on the power play, he does some nice things. In his own zone, he can do some stupid things, which drive me crazy. But that being said, okay, if he's my power play guy, I need a guy. I need – this is going to sound stupid. I need John Merrill in his prime to cover for him. (laughs) And my concern now is he's not even close to that. And so, again, it all moves too fast. Um, Speaking of age, speaking of being – I think we need to get something clear because, one, I love this guy being on the team. As a longtime puckhead, it is a treat. I said this before. It's a special thing. We will look back on this guy and say, "I'm gl- I, wow, this guy played here." So this is not to denigrate him, um, but it is to say this: on November twenty eighth, Mark Andre Fleury will turn thirty nine. Okay, mm-hmm. played great against Tor- or against Montreal. His first start of the season, played absolutely lights out. Two pad stack back in my day. That was the rule. That two just got pad, the I, blood pumping for you, but I did. I did two pad stacks on Friday night in my friend Jay's front uh, on his driveway. Man, when I would stop everything, <laughs> regular Ken Dryden right here. So yes, you got the blood pumping. I loved it. Um, but I'll bring this up again. Okay, two nights after, and it's now been uh, since Saturday since Gustafson played. Because I'm not trying to say that you should wear guys out. Mm-hmm. But it, it's been, you know, since Saturday, since Gustafson played. And now he can't play. He won't play again until Saturday. So it's going to be a week between games. Marc-Andre Fleury shouldn't have started tonight. Philip Gustafson's your number one. And whenever he can play, and until he proves he's not prepared for that, and if he does, God help you, because you're going to go, you're going to have to go find one. And, and with their cap, I don't think they can. Mm-hmm. But, AJ, Marc-Andre Fleury should not have played tonight. He was coming off a great game against a bad team in his hometown. It was awesome to watch. This is, again, not trying to rip him. Um, I appreciate him beyond belief. He's a Hall of Famer. He's like one of the names in hockey. But all of that being said, what are you doing? It's the Kings. They're really good. You You have anointed Gustafson as the guy. This is not a timeshare. What are you doing tonight? 
Yeah, I agree. When um, I, it was actually Jesse uh, Pierce, friend of the show, great, great coverage there. But uh, she reported, or she was the first that I saw report that uh, it was Flower getting the nod tonight. And I had to double check just to make sure there was no Gustafson flu or something along those lines, because it was surprising to me that you would turn around and immediately just give Flower the game again. Because like you said, it'll be now a full week since NHL action for, for Philip Gustafson as they go into Columbus on Saturday. So it's, uh, I, I just don't understand it. It's, you, you bring back Gustafson and you should have had these conversations behind closed doors where yes, you did wonders for us last year. Um, you know, you, you elevated your game after the trade from Ottawa Mm-hmm. And plus, for for the sake of us, I would have loved the storyline of, you know, the one-for-one one swap goes head-to-head. Um, one guy is now, you know, with a different team. The other guy has kind of emerged in his career and become somewhat of a star in, in net for what he had been. So um, I was unfortunate about that. But you, the age is such a key factor. You have to You have to keep that in. And going back to what you said as well, just yesterday, I was thinking of a, I was I was reminiscing about the the win over Montreal, and I just kind of had a few moments of like, you know, it is so cool that Marc Andre Fleury. It's not. It wasn't just like they awesome. traded for him at the deadline, and we got a couple months. He is here for multiple seasons, and he's been pretty darn good for most of that time as well. He's had some some bad games, but he's also had some damn good games as well. Um, tonight was not the night to start him. your number one is Philip Gustafson. You don't, you don't, you don't film that Gus bus promo before the season and tweet that out to then sit him tonight against the Kings. That is, you don't do fully booked, like choreographed skits that you then use as advertising for a guy that you're going to sit against a good Kings team. That is the guy that you should sit in net and say, you know what, Gus, we're going to try to put up as many as we can, but we know you're going to get us on the back end. I I don't I don't agree with it. I would love to know if there was something behind the scenes that led to that decision, but just uh, not. I, it, it baffles me a little bit. I just don't understand why you would go with Flower tonight. Well, it just goes it goes against the whole point of of what you're doing here. And and you know again you're you're not going to go a week between starts for your top goaltender four games in five games in. Um, two more talking points for you. The Wild did not take a penalty tonight. The Wild did not take a penalty tonight. They had four power plays. They were 0 for 4. Um, This is the type of thing, again, long-term. This is one game. It's very early. I get that. But this is the type of thing, long-term, where your new power play needs to pay off. Like, like this is a big difference in the game. And good good on you. You were disciplined. You played a smart game, I guess. Um, or, Or at least... If you got away with penalties, they weren't, um, or if you had penalties, you got away with them and they weren't called. But 0 for 4 on the power play. Is it your professional opinion that they remain too cute on the power play, that they pass too much? Um, they did get some shots, but this, you know, if you get four power plays, you'd sure like to end up with 25%, and that's only scoring once on four. But that can make – but, you know, it, it was a 7-3 final, but keep in mind, keep in mind, two empty net goals. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your opinion of the power play? Judd, I'm not ready to say that I was completely wrong from our preseason show quite yet, but tonight did not help. Uh, 0 for 4, <laughs> and 
here here's here's my issue with the power play. It's it's not that it's at times it is too cute, but my issue is that that one that I saw in the preseason game, it was controlled chaos. They're zipping it around. There's you can see the vapor trail on some of these passes going around the perimeter, and they're forced into the middle. And guys are always in motion. It's you you if if there was nobody around like in the stadium, you would hear that constant carving of the ice like you would um, if you're out on a pond all by yourself. What we saw tonight, all four times, it's it's what we've seen now for a while where they are almost hoping that the Kings will willingly take themselves out of position so that they then can make the pass that they want. They're not, they're not yeah. forcing the Kings to get out of position. They're just hoping, hey, you know what? If we're going to move it over here, Hopefully they just overskated or something along those lines, or they, they hold it and they kind of coast to the slot and they're like, come on, try the poke check. I need you to, I need you to do something here. Oh no. Okay. Now let's work it back to Addison at the top. They're, they're not, they, it's their power play, but they're letting, they're letting the Kings like dictate how they play. And and yes, it, I, a scared power play isn't maybe the word or the way I want to describe it, but they're, they're just not in control of their own power play right now. And I think that's the bi- biggest issue. They don't look like they are dictating how it should go. Cause you see some of these other teams and this, this is maybe a, this is too big of a comparison because they have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but sure. the Oilers, it is so much fun to watch those guys in the power play. Cause that's their bread and butter. You know, Leon Dreisaitl just oh, became the, they move the puck like this and get shots off. I'm sweating by the time they score. Like it is, oh, yeah. it is exciting. It, yes. it, it, it is enticing. R&H. Oh yeah. This, this is like, if you go from like a jazz, like, you know, we're thumping here, we're swinging. And all of a sudden we just go to like, okay, a sad saxophone solo where it's a middle schooler who's still kind of learning. So they're squeaking. It's, it's painful to watch at times. Cause I'm sitting there. I'm like, please make this plat pass, do this, do this. And they just don't. There, there does not. There's no urgency. There's not. There's no purpose to actually getting the defensive structure rattled whatsoever of the opposition. All right, last thing. I'm, I'm going to uh, end this show on a positive note because for, for the most part, it, it was not a. It, it's not a fun game to talk about as far as positives for the home team. Uh, Marcus Johansson. He's he was a minus two tonight, so he did not have a great game by any means. He had two shots on goal, I believe, as well. Um, but all of that being said, he, since he came back here, I really like, and I guess I didn't, I, I don't know if it was because he was hurt last time around or what, but he is a far smoother player than I remembered from his first time here. I really like him. He he is a that that's a that was a nice reacquisition because I'll fully admit when they got him back, I'm like, why bother? And you know he came in and played well, um, but watching him now again, he I really think that he adds an element skill wise to this team um, that I did not have any recollection. I'm not sure about you. I had no recollection of him being, and I don't think I'm wrong, this smooth his first time around here. You're right. Um, it's it's nice because it's not, it's not an in-your-face skill, if that makes sense. Oh, no, but it's not. It yep. flies under the radar probably just too much for his own good. Because if, if he... If, he he plays a very really strong supporting role, but he brings that flair to it. Going if I if I can 
delve back into my uh, high school play uh, metaphor once again. He is, if you've seen Hamilton, he's the king where he's, he's barely in it, but when he's on stage, his number kills and the crowd's into it and, and they're singing along and they have his lines memorized, but he's only out there for like 6% of the show. Um, he, he brings that type of feel to the wild because when he does dazzle, boy, is it fun to watch. And he does, like you said, add that kind of underlying skill that um, in his first time around, I, I didn't notice it much. And now I'm learning and seeing here in the this short sample size to appreciate a little more. And I'm excited to watch him uh, as the season develops. He was clearly hurt too the, mm-hmm. the first time around. And I, I think part of it is like to, to what you're saying, he's not flashy, but he's silky smooth, which is sort of a weird thing because a lot of times guys that are silky smooth flash more. I don't think he flashes a lot. I think when you watch him though, you're like, okay, that guy's got good hands, uh, smooth skater. But anyway, I just wanted to bring in one positive um, and also the Kings are really good. This Kings team is going to be fun. Uh, take solace in the fact that um, Kevin Fiala, two assists, no goals, uh, two sh- uh, two shots tonight. But, man, I don't know if you saw it. He had a chance in the slot. I can't believe he missed it. He was he just gunned it right by, and it was a low, low slot chance. Flurry wouldn't have stopped it. Um, but, yes, Kevin Fiala. I still think, though, I still have decided that trade's going to end up being a great trade because Brock Faber is going to be good for years to come, and he's on a cheap team-controlled contract. So I so – we, we can complain so far about the veteran deals that Garen just did, but I think that the Fiala trade is going to turn out to be far superior than what we thought. All right, Age, great work. Uh, thanks much. I appreciate it. We are done. Judd's Hockey Show. Appreciate all of you who uh, came to watch us tonight or are now listening to the podcast and you know what as always hit all of those buttons subscribe like the kids do uh, uh uh email us gmail us tweet us x us all of that good stuff thank you and have a great night